Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. I went to see Ridley Scott's Black Hawk Down in Midtown Manhattan a few days after its debut in December 2001. The theater space was big, perhaps 500 seats, and many of us in attendance were glad to be in public again anonymously present inside a giddy crowd, chewing our popcorn and waiting for the movie to begin. Almost four months earlier, a group of terrorists weaponized four jet planes and used them to destroy buildings and lives in an attack now and forever referred to with the emergency system numerals 9-1-1. Much of New York City's social life ceased following the 9-11 attacks. What are those people gonna do? All the elevators are blocked out. Those of us living in or near the city, whether in surrounding Manhattan neighborhoods or in the outer boroughs or New Jersey, reeled at the present reality that our little island was under threat, that we had become victims of terrorism while living in and around the most expensive, most luxurious, and busiest city in the United States. The season equally centered on recognizing the limits of American life, all our wealth and ingenuity, pluck and optimism. With ethno-religious conflict, and resource scarcities threatening population centers across the globe, daily described to us in reports on the news, late 2001 was a time of intense worry, not least because it seemed that war was upon us. I settled into my bucket seat and opened a Hershey kiss when several uniformed service members walked down the aisle, silencing everyone who gazed upon them, these young, vital people wearing the national uniform, awaiting whatever would be demanded of them in defense of our post-9-11 nation. As a group, we civilians were unsure how to voice our sense of fear and respect for these military personnel. Thank you for your service, not yet our rote response. So we simply waited for them to find their seats and settle in. As the house lights faded and the projector bulb lit up the screen, I was distinctly guilt-ridden for paying hard-earned money to watch violent Hollywood entertainment about young uniformed American troops doing violence while being seated near young uniformed American troops, probably enjoying the same entertainment, but with a radically different understanding about what that bloody spectacle implied. I would soon take a subway home and worry about making rent, while they would be sent into harm's way with a morphine stick and canteen of water. It wasn't fair or right, I thought. But then the movie began in earnest, and I settled into the womb of theatrical exhibition. On-screen titles explain that we're in the Horn of Africa, where crop failures and sectarian violence has created a humanitarian crisis. We watched the fast-moving dramatization of Mark Bowden's journalistic account of the Battle of Mogadishu from 1993, which he published in 1999 as Black Hawk Down, A Story of Modern War. That subtitle, A Story of Modern War, proved critical to Bowden's success with this book, inasmuch as military strategy is always at odds with tactical realities, particularly when unplanned events make knowing right and wrong difficult. He also used the two-day rescue operation surrounding a pair of downed U.S. Army Black Hawk helicopters as the spine for his riveting sketch of bloodshed and bravery. The nut of the movie's story is that a never-seen Somali warlord, Mohamed Farah Adid, 
must be captured or killed so that UN aid can alleviate the suffering of famine-ravaged Somalia. An American-led UN peacekeeping force embedded in the capital of Mogadishu uncovers intelligence that several of IDEED's lieutenants will meet in a busy marketplace. Army leadership decides to kidnap and extract those lieutenants to roll back IDEED's influence. In the event, things go badly when a Black Hawk is shot from the sky. IDEED's militia descends upon dozens of Army Rangers, SOAR aviators, and Delta Force soldiers caught inside Mogadishu. The mission that was planned to last no more than an hour without loss of life turns into an overnight defensive battle that finally resolves when a multinational armored convoy rescues the stranded Americans, including 19 KIA and dozens of combat injured at an estimated cost of a thousand dead Somalis. The movie is a tour de force in efficient parallel storytelling, sharply edited vignettes, and a jangling sound mix. Urban warfare is made intimate through ricochets, engine sounds, falling debris, and the shouts and calls of armed people trying hard not to die. It's also a Hans Zimmer-scored pornographic display of American might as so many waves of brown-skinned nobodies are gunned down by our mostly white soldiers, many of whom are personalized with nicknames, backstories, and witty bon mots delivered in terrifying firefights. Audiences in 2001 responded to the moral complications of Black Hawk Down. Having lived through the Clinton-era difficulty with managing global hot zones that revealed the limits of American idealism, it was clear that trying to do good could result in evil, while doing nothing at all could be even worse. The problem of any modern war, as Black Hawk Down supposes, is that there is no gold standard for righteous behavior once sabers rattle. Everyone is simply trying to survive. To illustrate the point, one of Aidid's allies, Osman Eto, George Harris, is restrained and questioned by army leadership. Asked about Aidid's whereabouts, Eto offers very little useful intelligence. Mr. Garrison, I think you shouldn't have come here. This is civil war. This is our war, not yours. This moment is when action movies dialogue becomes the point of view of the filmmakers. As the conversation continues on, giving cover if not meaning for the use of military force in the world, U.S. Army General Garrison, Sam Shepard, replies. 300,000 dead and counting. That's not a war, Mr. Ito. That's genocide. With lines like these, screenwriter Ken Nolan turned Bowden's source into an ideological screed that played right into the needs of fragile moviegoers, then reacting to 9-11 and worrying over the virtues of American power. Is America involved in too many international affairs to be a good actor? Is America responsible for the hostility exhibited by non-Americans? Is military power synonymous with moral goodness? Is there another way for people to behave that would avoid events like the famine and civil war in Somalia or four downed jets on 9-11? These questions, among others, wrestle their way through the background noise of Black Hawk Down as we stare at Josh Hartnett, Ewan McGregor, Tom Sizemore, Jason Isaacs, Tom Hardy, Nicolaj Costerwaldo, Jeremy Piven, and Ty Burrell 
reenacting the experiences of actual personnel in another Jerry Bruckheimer Ridley Scott entertainment. We watch them suffer and fight, express doubt and fear, and fight some more, always in the habit of practice technique, so that the professional sheen of soldiering is what shines through the grime. In a star turn, Eric Bana plays a Delta Forces sergeant nicknamed Hoot, who moves through the story with disdain for military chain of command. Toward the end of the movie, while trying to console a heartsick army ranger, he says, When I go home, people ask me, Hey Hoot, why do you do it, man? Why? You're some kind of war junkie? I won't say a goddamn word. What? They won't understand. They won't understand why we do it. They won't understand it's about the men next to you. And that's it. That's all it is. Then Hoot exits, stage right, having offered a thumbnails sketch of military psychology to explain the brotherhood. There are virtually no women in this movie that renders this bloody story both palatable and morally ambiguous. Soldiers fight, not because it's necessary or good, but because they are trained to protect fellow warriors, regardless of cost, which is reflected on screen by General Garrison's order to leave no man behind. With such a goal organizing every American character's behavior, Black Hawk Down demonstrates the horror of urban warfare and makes the experience of taking fire, killing and being killed, anything but glamorous and desirable. At the same time, it's closely aligned with the camaraderie of service members, bonding under fire and finding the personal courage to do what's right in wrong circumstances. In this case, defending the man next to you, just like Hoot tells us, because that is the higher calling of uniform service. At least that's the main message I grasped when re-watching Black Hawk Down among another group of young people, calling me back to my first viewing experience, seated as I was, a few feet from youthful service members preparing for not-yet-announced wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Scott's movie entertains and shocks, but it also set the table for subsequent war movies by connecting older stories, most notably Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan from 1998, with newer versions of the proud warrior story that eventually yielded hits like Peter Berg's Lone Survivor from 2013. In so doing, Black Hawk Down offers a storytelling template as hard as war. Soldiers fight for one another. We're elite. Let's act like it out there. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Boop boobity doo.